poor, so poor. I used to go and buy cheeses that had gone past their sell-by date and rummaged around in bins for cabbages and stuff like that, which you could still salvage bits from and things. Welcome back to the morning news. Welcome back to the morning news. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Today we have a special edition of the podcast for you. We're joined by GQ's industry icon of the year and Southern Africa's best photographer, Nick Bolton. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to our interview. We're looking forward to it too. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We've been trying to get you on for such a long time, but it's really good to now get to speak to you. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. This should be the first episode of the year. Happy New Year to you. I'm sure that you know that people believe in changing their lives around this time of the year. And with that, do you believe in setting New Year's resolutions, setting goals for the New Year? Well, the last two years have been pretty challenging, I must be honest. My business has been really, really hammered. So many of my clients have folded and gone under. I mean, the magazine industry has changed so much. I used to at once averaged about between 12 and 15 covers a month, different publications right the way across the board and now those publications have gone they're no longer there but I'm praying that this year things pick up there are signs that this is going to happen there are clients that I haven't spoken to or clients which were supposed to be shooting campaigns beginning of last year which haven't come about and I've heard from quite a few of them and they're desperate to get their advertising back up and running but yeah it's a challenging time because there's always that element of uncertainty so to try and plan is very difficult I mean the end of last year I had shoots in various parts of the country and then there was a situation where we got all the flights accommodations all the studios hired and all this sort of thing and then half of the people that are supposed to be photographing that come down with COVID and so the whole lot had to be canned. That's very fascinating. I would have believed that a situation like lockdown would probably lead to an increase in magazine production because more people have time on their hands. I thought it probably worked hand in hand with the boom that happened with social media but clearly that's not the case. No, the magazines no longer exist. It's as simple as that. Publishing companies, Caxton's Media 24, they've slashed so many titles. To be honest, for me, the amount of editorial work I've been doing in the past few years has been fairly nominal, and I do it more for the fun of it than anything else. You know, and it's sad. It's sad that those have gone. Iconic publications, they've just folded, and they'll never, ever be resurrected again. So... It's a changed marketplace. And I mean, now you've got a few which are more the sort of online publications, the sort of print media. I think it's going to be a thing of the past. And in so doing, I found the standard, the quality, there's an acceptance of a lesser quality of images and work and this sort of thing. And if you're looking at something on your phone or you're looking at something on like an iPad or something like that, then you can fix up so much in the post side of things now. And that's what people rely on. They don't really have the knowledge of lighting and the old craft of pure photography and that sort of thing. In terms of pure photography, I think the state of photography has changed drastically over the years. So what took a photographer 40 years ago, a week to learn, probably takes a current photographer two days. So I think the substance of the art has been lost because then it was about making sure the lighting was perfect. But now we have all these filters, which I believe make the job easier, but you lose that raw sense of creation. And that leads me to ask, what made you want to get into such a creative industry 
industry like photography? It was one of those things where I loved photography. I had an uncle who bought me my first camera and he had a dark room. It was really incredible. It was an expensive thing. Photography back then was, it was costly. You know, you buy a roll of film, your pocket money and this sort of thing. And you didn't shoot flippantly. It was like something you really thought about, the whole composition, everything. There was a lot more thought, I think, that went into it. But I never, ever considered it as a possible sort of career move or anything like that. Not in the slightest. I studied fine arts and jewellery design and manufacture and gemology, but sort of extracurriculum subject was photography, which I continued with. And then I came with my family to South Africa and I started working for a jeweler and I hated it. I hated it so much. I love the design aspect of jewellery, but this guy, I mean, he was a big name jeweller, but his stuff, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I lasted a month with him. And then I thought I'd try and start up myself with the jewellery, but I didn't have money to start financing and buying precious metals and stones and stuff like this. Where my parents lived, there were some really quite beautiful sort of architects architectural houses and I went out and I photographed some of these I did a few portraits I fiddled around in the dark room and I created some different sort of techniques of the emulsion actually cracked and they almost looked like the old Degas type images they looked ancient and I framed these up and I went knocking door to door on the first morning I went out I made more in commissions than I would have done if I was working for the jeweler for a month so that yeah. was what was my professional photographic career knocking door to door with framed photographs and fending off wild dogs and some pretty dodgy people I can tell you but it was good and then I got a position working on the Tal newspapers Tal Mercury and it was kind of commercial stuff but like really basic kind of advertorial stuff for the publications and things like that but occasionally there were times when the news guys were out I'd be asked to go and do some of these sort of news or sort of photojournalistic kind of jobs which I absolutely loved it taught me a lot photography almost became sort of second nature you would almost be able to foresee an event before it took place you became so sort of in tuned with your surroundings and things so I really loved that and yeah. then then I went back to London for a couple of years and assisted over there. I assisted some really great photographers in London. I met some amazing people there. I gained a tremendous amount of experience. I was poor, so poor. I used to go and buy cheeses that had gone past their sell-by date and rummaged around in bins for cabbages and stuff like that, which you could still salvage bits from and things. So, you know, I really paid my dues in that respect, but it was great. Being in gematology and working as a jeweler, did that give you a distinct eye for detail that you use in photography and picking up photography at such a young age would you say that most of your learning happened through trial and error yeah it does to a certain extent i mean obviously i was shooting on film so there was no looking in the back of your camera or anything like that and it made you kind of acutely aware of what you were doing with the lighting acutely aware of you know the details i'm so finickety with the finish of the makeup and the hair and these sort of things and that all goes back to i think it was when i came back from the uk and i started doing my own stuff I used to do a lot of experimentation you know you get so excited and you'd see a documentary or something about a photographer and you'd see there would be a lighting accessory and then I'd make these things up so I had my own sort of version of them and then I'd play around with movie film and load that into spools and then shoot them as you know a lot of those sort of things and then cross-processing C41 E6 and vice versa it was trial and error but there was something exciting about it because you didn't know until you got your clip test frames from the role of film. I think that goes on to show the distinct creative and design aspects in your industry. And in your opinion, what makes a good photograph? 
look, you know, it's all very well sticking someone in front of a camera and banging off a few frames or whatever. But there's a lot more to that. When I'm photographing a person, I like to try and capture something that no one else has actually caught in that person. I'm pretty good at making people feel quite comfortable. I can kind of evoke um, emotions in that person. It's quite an intense thing. A lot of people that I photograph, actors in particular, you would think would be a dream when you've got your lens in their face. You have a control over that person. A camera is a very, very powerful tool and it can be incredibly intimidating. So you've got to know how to work that tool to the best of one's ability to be able to achieve the type of feel, the type of emotion. I can tell within two or three frames if a person's comfortable in front of a camera or not. And you become quite a psychologist actually with this as well. And you have to sort of work around people in that respect. You spoke about creating images that evoke emotion. When you create these narratives in many of your portraits, how important is it that the model shares the same narrative? Well, look, it's not always like that. It depends what I'm doing. There are a lot of shoots where there is a narrative where they're sort of character-based. So that makes it, in a way, sort of easier because a lot of the people, they hide behind those characters. I'm talking about actors primarily, musicians as well to a certain extent. I think it's very important that they have an understanding of what it is that you're looking for in the way of creating the image. And in that respect, we used to kind of rely on Polaroids. So you'd shoot umpteen Polaroids, that would give you an indication of the lighting and the sort of mood that you were going for. So you would then show whoever it is you're photographing, you show them the Polaroids and say, look, this is what we're looking for here. Can you just be a little bit more expressive? Can you just soften up? Now, most of the time when I'm shooting, I shoot tethered. Even if I'm on location, I shoot tethered onto a laptop and one of my assistants will hold that so that I can see exactly what the shooting was to go along. And then I try and get as close to perfection with the lighting and everything else when we're shooting. So it's shot in camera as opposed to post. Post work is an amazing thing to have that sort of control. Whereas in the past that used to go off to the sort of art department that was out of the photographer's hands at that stage. So you would only see those images when they were published. And as often as not, I'd be quite disappointed with the results because I find a lot of the images were kind of overly worked. I mean, I used to do a lot of glamour stuff. I used to shoot a lot of stuff for Sports Illustrated and FHM and those magazines. I mean, I went all over the world with those. Sometimes, you know, those images would come back and they were so overworked, they bore little resemblance. There was no texture in the skin or anything like that. And I really, really hated that. So now we've got more control over that, you see, because I either do the retouching if I've got time where it's something I want to do or else I've got other people that do the retouching for me. So that makes a huge difference. Shooting Tethered is great. And that's a bit about the innovation that we spoke about earlier. Congratulations on winning GQ's industry icon of the year. What advice would you give to upcoming photographers in regards to creating beautiful portraits? It's not just portraits. I mean, it's across the board, actually. And I think photography has become a lot more accessible. I think there are a lot more people out there. And I think that there's a danger of trying to get too much too soon. The beauty about photography, digital or on film, is you should never, ever stop learning. It's one of those things. And I still get incredibly excited about using a new type of light or a new type of lens or you know creating something you know it may even just be a pattern of highlights in the eyes or something like that that you've never actually achieved before I just think that passion is what it's all about and I've said this right the way through you know I mean you can't expect every single job to blow your mind and you think oh wow this is just incredible because it's not always like that I've had some nightmares over the years Mm -hmm. what you have to do or what I try and do is 
is I try and create something magical, even if it's the most mundane thing, you need to try and elevate your images so that it's something that not everybody can do. You've got to try and add your own passion and touch to the images that you're creating. I just think that with up and coming photographers, they can learn so much from photographers that have been around a long time. And a lot of them want to bypass the whole kind of assisting situation. Some will do like a four month course at the market theater or something like that, which is great, but it does not teach you the business aspect of photography. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And if you assist a photographer, you will learn so much about how to deal with different clients, how to run a successful studio, how to just lighting and just the various approaches. I can't really emphasize that enough because, you know, you can do a lot of courses now. They've got all of these sort of courses on YouTube. There are times where I'll look up things, especially when it comes to retouching and that sort of thing. But it's very, very difficult to really get to grips with lighting techniques and things like that off the YouTube videos. And it depends. I think, you know, there's always going to be a market for high-end photography as well. I really do believe that. But it's a way to start off. But at the end of the day, it's passion and trying to make something magical out of everything that you do. Just play around, try and give it a little bit more of an edge. Another aspect of photography that's not spoken about a lot is people skills. Because you work with these different clients, some who might be more challenging to work with than others. And do you have any stories in that regard? They're too numerous to mention, actually. I'm in the midst of writing a book and uh, a lot of those will be revealed. I've had some classics, very famous musicians that have really, really, really blown my mind, actually, with things that they've come out with and the way they've kind of performed. And yeah, I mean, there are lots of things. The number of times that I've had people rocking up for really sizable shoots, campaigns, and there's been no pre pro and there's a lot of money going into this. It's staggering what people get away with and what the photographers actually have to do. Pulling hairs out of hats. It's something that <laughs> I have done so many times over the years. I've had very difficult times photographing certain politicians. I've had very difficult times with certain models. I can't really go into specifics because some of them are just too, uh, they're too hectic to even think about. <laughs> Believe me, I've had some wild, wild times in this business with uh, some of the people that I've encountered. On the topic of taking pictures, what's the difference in the creative process between working with still images and working with moving images? You spoke about working with Sports Illustrated. So how is it different when you work with these moving images oh look i mean i love that i mean you know a lot of the editorial stuff that i was shooting and uh, i mean to get that sense of movement that sort of interaction that sort of lifestyle sort of feel you know so there's a bit of blurring with the hair or whatever that sense of motion i mean that's a beautiful thing to capture you can capture movement in the studio as well using high-speed flash and these sort of things i did a shoot recently in an enormous studio in midrand and i was shooting from a cherry picker down onto these pits with all of these balls flying all over the place and we had to use high-speed flash for that or in my studio where I'll have people sprinting so they'll they'll literally take off from one point and then go into a flat-out sprint and you're capturing that motion so I mean but that's done with flash as opposed to shooting outside with the natural light for example or mixing light sources and then using fast shutter speeds to capture the images so all of those things there's more than one way to skin a cat there are different ways of getting around things and obviously 
those different ways influence the overall feel and the overall look of the final image. Yeah. Sports Illustrated, I was doing the glamour stuff. I was photographing girls in bikinis and that sort of thing. So there wasn't much in the way of sport going on there per se. Sports personalities, I photographed a lot of very, very famous soccer players and rugby players over the years and that sort of thing. But most of them have been portraits. I mean, if you're photographing movement, I mean, obviously you've got to accommodate that in the same way that you would do if you've got a model in a bikini running down a beach and then going into the air and doing handstands and all these sort of things. You know, there are techniques which you have to implement to be able to capture those images so they're sharp. I've really learned so much from this conversation. On the podcast, we have a signature question, which is what does happiness mean to you? So today, Mr. Bolton, what does happiness mean to you? Besides my family and my dogs, happiness is... It's what I do. I mean, there's nothing I would have liked to do more than what I do with the photography. Creating images, happiness is creating something which has longevity and it's beautiful and it's got some sort of meaning attached to it. It's not some sort of superficial throwaway thing. That makes me happy. It can be a landscape. It can be a portrait. It can be, I don't know, just the way light catches the side of a mountain. That makes me happy, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm very environmentally conscious and aware. And, you know, this whole thing with shell has been put on hold things like that make me feel that there is still hope for the planet yeah that's a very interesting perspective on happiness just as what you love doing and with that i'd just like to say thank you so much mr bolton for joining us on the morning news today it was an absolute honor getting to speak to you and we wish you the best in all your endeavors. As I said, the pleasure was all mine. It was lovely speaking to you. And I hope that I have managed to inspire a few people, young up and coming photographers, and hopefully they'll be able to get a bit of slight insight in the short time that it's been. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Adrian. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Morning Muse. See you next week. Bye.